This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm Lauren Feldman, and I'm here with Zach Zellner, founder of Pup Socks. Um, if you have a question for Zach or an opinion or a comment, uh, if you want to go back to our discussion with Jay Galtz from the beginning of the show or talk about private equity, any of the above, please give us a call. Uh, we're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Uh, but Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Please tell us, uh, what are pup socks? Sure. So pup socks, you know, I happen to be wearing a pair right now, but they are custom printed socks with your dog, your friend, your cat. We have horses and rabbits. We have parents and siblings. We print faces on socks as well. So if you want to rep a pair of custom socks or blankets or mugs, things like that, that's what we do. Where did this idea come from? Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I was in a totally different industry. I was in the cannabis space in Florida. It was it was recently legalized, and I sort of was sitting around realizing. <laughs> Had you been experimenting with some of your product? When you know you came what's up funny? With this idea? I do not get high on my own supply. <laughs> All right, I'll have you know. Okay. And, and not sure we believe that yet, but. <laughs> Well, hopefully my my actions. <laughs> You're gonna will have give to convince some, us, Zach. Well, I'll tell you. You know, it's it was a fun thing to do, and you know, went very very well. Uh, the company was acquired, and right around the time that you know we were exiting, I I looked around and said, all these you know businesses in the e-com world are growing rapidly, and I know very little about digital marketing, and here I am in my my twenties, and this isn't something that I have an expertise in, so. You know, my philosophy with any venture is that the less you know, the better you'll be. And I there's got to be a limit to that. Zach. There, there absolutely is. Okay. Let's not. I don't want to give anybody the wrong Sure, no, no, no question about that. But uh, you know, ultimately, if you're willing to, you know, humble yourself and go in and 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 there's something to be said to, for looking at something with fresh eyes. If you don't correct. know anything about an industry, you come in and ask challenging questions that sometimes people who are caught up in the industry haven't gotten around to asking. Right. Well, you know, it's funny now. I, I over the past years of my career, I've become more and more skeptical of things. So I'm watching it happen to me in live time where, you know, I I no longer have that rookie mentality, the child's mind, and it's becoming a problem because, <laughs> you know, Pub Socks went and, and grew rapidly and became a huge success. And it was something that I, I never expected. And had I been perhaps a little more cynical, I might have stopped and thought, I don't know if this is truly worth my time, but we were looking for a way to have a business that had a positive impact, one that made people happy, and one that was scalable. And we got all three of those things with Pup Socks. You say we, you, you had a partner? I, I, I do and did. You know, uh, At this point, I, I run the company you know, with, uh, with a really wonderful team. And you know, through that first entire year of the business, we grinded it out and, and built it to where it is today. When did you start it? We started in uh, August of 2017. And uh, when did you know that you were really on to something? Pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. You know, we, we ended up doing $8 million in 30 days. So that... How did you do that? How did you spread the word? Paid social, Facebook, Instagram. You know, uh, digital marketing in and of itself is incredible because it allows you to scale very quickly. And because of its direct response nature, you're bringing in dollars right away. 
meaning you can spend a dollar and bring back four and spend three out of that next four bringing in the next. And it can really snowball and grow very, very quickly. That's Tell what us what you did on uh, on Instagram. I mean, yeah, obviously, Instagram is a, a visual platform, so it, it seems like a natural for yours. But there are a lot of different strategies. What what did you do that connected? Sure. So I think a really important distinction in the digital marketing space is the difference between paid social and paid search. So with paid search, largely speaking, Google, that's pay someone click. pay per click, right? Yeah, that's someone looking for a product. So there's intent there. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but there are very few people Googling, put my dog on socks. Maybe, put <laughs> maybe my dog... more, more today than there were when you started. Certainly, no question. But there's probably more people Googling, you know, maybe put my dog in socks. That's a different thing. <laughs> and and what Facebook and, and Instagram allow you to do is actually create demand that otherwise didn't exist. And it allows you to find some balance between, you know, old school, traditional... Uh, marketing methods that are interruptive, where you can avoid the unpleasant nature of trying to yell a message at someone by targeting a demographic that truly relates and can appreciate your product. Meaning I can go in and build audiences that adore pets, that adore their pets, that love socks. And now all of a sudden, my advertising is no longer interruptive and it's invited. And that's where we managed to find a really, really great sweet spot and, and push it forward. That makes perfect sense. But, but how, how do you set out to, to find and build that community? What, what, did, what, were, what were the steps you took to connect on Instagram? Sure. So it, it certainly takes time. And creating content is the number one most important thing. I think a lot of people are really focused on all of the things outside of creating quality creative you know, if if you have compelling content that people get excited about, that they want to share. Pictures of pets, for example. Pictures of pets would be a wonderful example. You know, I, I have yet to see a cute puppy that someone doesn't love. That everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous. People love ugly puppies. People even love ugly puppies. So, you know, that's the sort of space that we started to build in. And then using tools beyond that, you know, we could build lookalike audiences to say, you know, based on our current demographic, how do we target more of those people? And that, that's Facebook. That's right? Facebook. Yeah. Which uh, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is a Facebook property. Can you do property. that on Instagram you as can. well? You can. Yeah. And that allows you huge, you know, flexibility in how you build audiences, how you target them. And more importantly, if you can justify the scale, it's as easy as adding some zeros to the marketing budget. We, we, we should explain uh, to target a lookalike audience. The idea is that you tell Facebook slash Instagram who your existing customers are. You uh, give them email addresses. They can look at their uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts, assess their demographics, and then find you a matching audience, people who are not currently uh, buying from you, but match the audience you have in important demographic ways and uh, give you a, you know, a wonderful target to hit people who are primed uh, to buy and your product. And it actually goes further than that because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a little pixel, a little piece of code that you can install on your website. And even, you know, well outside of just email matching, Facebook is now tracking everyone who's visiting your site. And I, I understand we're getting into some that, more complex we're, issues. We're headed towards my next question. But, Keep going. But we, you know, then have the capacity to tell Facebook, hey, anyone who's visited our site, you know a ton about who is most similar to these kinds of people. And you can do, you know, 1% similarity, meaning that's the highest, you know, 1% of the U.S. that is most like, 
your target audience and you can move all the way to 10%, which is millions and millions of people. My name is Lauren Feldman. I'm talking to Zach Zellner about Pup Socks. If you have a question, please give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Let's talk to uh, John in Florida. John, welcome to Mind Your Business. Yeah, I wanted to know about uh, what Zach's opinion was on how to maintain a longer lifetime customer value with an e-commerce business and how he sees that changing. That's a great question, John. And Zach, I know you've given uh, a lot of thought to uh, the lifetime value of your customers. Uh, what, what would you say to John? Yeah, I, you know, LTV is something that I preach constantly. Uh, I've considered just getting it tatted on my forehead. I think it's I think it's going to be an easier... LTV meaning lifetime value? Lifetime value, correct. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of businesses worry so much about their cost to acquire customers, and rightfully so. But... This afterthought, which I believe is even more important, is the LTV of a customer. Because if you are paying $10 to acquire a customer now and taking in 40 inevitably as your competition grows, as ad costs increase, as the landscape becomes more competitive, your cost to acquire a customer will continue to climb. Especially because you're moving further and further away from your most ideal customer, meaning that there's only so you know there's only so many people who are obsessed with pets, obsessed with socks, and have you know enough income to buy a hundred pairs a day. They're right. There's not many of those people, <laughs> if any. And so as I move further and further away, now it's convincing someone who wants to just casually buy it as a gift, and the efficiency of con- you know convincing that person is lower. Yeah, so. Inevitably, as my business grows, my cost of acquisition is going to go up. And if I'm not working to continue to increase the value that I bring to my customers, I'm going to stay at a $40 lifetime value, but my cost to acquire is going to go from 10 to 15 to 20 And I can fight like hell to you know kick it back down, but that's still a temporary solution. But if I'm providing a higher value to my customers and providing more products, more services of all different kinds... And that 40 becomes 80. Now, all of a sudden, we aren't nearly in, you know, as dire of a situation. So I think John's question is, how do you get it from 40 to 80? How? Oh, yeah. right. That's the, that's the <laughs> critical part. Uh, so the nature of that is such that you want to find other, you know, auxiliary services and products that you can offer. So for us, if we're selling a sock, it means we can also sell blankets. It means we can sell mugs. It means that we can make necklaces. We do shoes. And... Going beyond that, it's a question of, do you want to get into auxiliary industries altogether? Meaning, if we have pet lovers, can we sell pet food? Can we develop a pet food brand and, and you know, or, or partner up with a pet food brand to bring in revenue in driving customers to them? All of these things are opportunities where you've spent to acquire somebody and we, you know a lot about who they are, what they like, what they do, what they need. And you can find a variety of avenues to network and branch off of the core offering. John, does that answer your question? Absolutely. It's interesting. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. If you have a question about your business or about what Zach's doing, please give us a call. We're at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Zach, I promised everybody a holiday season disaster story. Can you deliver? It seems you found one. Uh, you know, there is a certain glory in getting to, you know, the, the millions of dollars very rapidly. 
That's all well and good. We had a quarter million orders. We're building, you know, three factories in a span of, of days or weeks. Where were you building the factories? We had one in uh, we had one in Alabama, one in Tallahassee. We had a facility in Detroit. We were doing production in Atlanta. So pup socks are all American made, end to end. Absolutely, that's something that we pride ourselves on, and something that is not going anywhere. Even our socks themselves are spun here in the U.S. Then our printing is done in the U.S. and then we ship everywhere else. And we set up all these facilities. And there's something that happens when you take these orders and, you know, your manufacturers end up making promises that they can't fulfill or, you know, we, our systems crash because of the, the volume of traffic or, you know, we lose um, big batches of data because you're talking about, you know, terabytes of, of customer data, you know, having to hit five different systems to go and, and, and make its way into production. And then, you know, shipping a quarter million orders. All these things are, are challenges. And Did all those things happen to you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we ended Which up... Which sounds like a good problem to have to an extent. You know what's funny? I, I, used to, I used to be the person who would say, but that's a good problem to have. No, no, this was just a problem. Not a good problem. This was just a big problem. Because, you know, what happens is that uh, if you fail to deliver about 100,000 Christmas presents, people get very, very upset. And rightfully so. You know, they have, they have every reason to, and there's no amount of apologizing that you can do to make the situation better. Is, is that what happened? You failed to do a, deliver a hundred thousand. That's what happened. Yeah. And how did you deal with that? Well, you know, aggressively, that's all we could do. You know, we, we continued setting up our facilities because, you know, at that point it was clear that we didn't need that much manufacturing capacity since Christmas had already passed and we were post deadline, you know, it was the difference of, can we get everything out in 10 days versus 20? But we proceeded to set everything up so that January 2nd came around, we received another shipment from our manufacturers and we went right back into printing in multiple, multiple cities. And look, there's a customer service nightmare. You know, we have an incredible team. I have an unbelievable staff who, you know, fought their way through 45,000 emails and issued the refunds and issued the credits. And, you know, it was still a little chaotic. You know, we, we had, we had uh, a lot of mishaps on the production side. There were, there were customers who didn't receive their order for, you know, until mid-January. There were customers who received their order 28 times by accident. Oops. <laughs> Made its way back into the production. You probably get fewer complaints about that. No, you, well, here's the thing. It's, it's all, it's all fun and games until they get their like ninth and 10th. And then they start emailing, please stop it. <laughs> and we're like, we don't know where this is coming from. We're so sorry. And then, you know, 11, 12, 13, then 15 through 20 come in. I, I guess you can't take them back and resell them to somebody no. else. Oh, has a pet that, that looks very dog. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> you know, we had uh, we had someone who who sent us an image of a uh, of a waste bin filled with because they're like you know the first ten <laughs> pairs was fine they were fine thanks the next eighteen were unnecessary. Did you outsource the customer service or did you handle that internally? We tried for about twenty minutes. That that didn't work out very very well. We we you know grew to a team of of over thirty just on the customer service side and a call center. Yeah. Well, we weren't taking calls. That would have been, that would, it, we're see. taking emails, live chat, right. things like that. And we worked our way down to the very last one. And our, our rating on trust pilot went from a 0.2 to now, I think we're at a 7.8, which is considered their great level. And now we pride ourselves on being a customer first company and have, 
you know, in the process, donated significant amounts of money to the Atlantic Humane Society, to the Best Friends Organization, to the National Humane Society, which was the core mission of the business altogether. Did you... In some way, link those donations to your apologies. We did. Well, oh. well, not to the apologies themselves. It was it was always Just the intention to the sales. To the sales right. Yeah, and you know we got a chance to do that, which to some degree placated people. And then we also had obligations to make things right. And this year now, we've worked really, really hard to ensure that we have the capacity. You know, we are I, heading into another holiday we are. season. We're already we're already crunching. In the words of of George Bush. Fool me once, shame on. <laughs> if you fool me, you can't get fooled again. Very good. Right? Well done. Thank you. Uh, so you think you're uh, you're prepared? We're ready to go. We've we've got. I guess our the, full the die team. is cast now, right? That's it. It's done. I, I've said it here on live radio. We're gonna pull this one off. We have the inventory. We have the team. We have our customer service staff. And what, what happened? You know, last year. It was your first holiday season. Um, it was as simple as that. Is that what the problem was? You just couldn't project how popular it was going to be? Yeah, there's, there's, you know, imagine going into a restaurant and saying, you know, you're, you're opening one and saying on opening day, we expect 100 customers and 1,000 show up in the first two hours. By the end of the day, you know, somehow the whole city has lined up and you're going, well, I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, do we just go to Sam's Club? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And that's where you start pulling every resource you can, calling every mill, every print shop, anyone you've, you know, friends from kindergarten, whatever you've got to try and make things happen. Did you call it up family members to come in and pack uh, boxes? Is it that kind of thing? Or pretty much, yeah. It was, it was, you know, I, I saw someone's Facebook post, a friend of mine that was getting out of the military. And I'm like, hey, do you want to you want to start work tomorrow? We can just get you on a plane, and you were in the army, so that you must you must know how to work hard. So let's go. And that's how we were we were finding people. Do you feel um, aside from the obvious? Did you learn anything from this experience uh, that surprised you? I mean, you know, to some extent, it was just you know, again, a good problem, unforeseen demand uh, that you had to figure out how to to meet and to, you know, put right with the customers that you you didn't deliver on. Anything else come out of it? Yeah, certainly. You know, we got, we as a team and myself personally had the experience now of building a business that was, you know, I don't want to say unsinkable because it's certainly not, but you, you figure out now where the vulnerabilities are and we've built so many systems and processes in place to prevent the 90 things that have gone wrong. And these are all skills that are important for any business, quite frankly. And the takeaways have been that you should always be highly customer centric. You should always mind scale as best as you can. And that putting in the time and energy and building systems from an operational perspective will always come in handy, even if you don't have hyper growth. They will, you know, th- through this year, we've had to earn our way back into the hearts of pet lovers. And the systems that we put in place previously are what allowed us to brick by brick, you know, build the thing back up. Interesting. So uh, we spent a good bit of this show talking about uh, capital financing and selling businesses quickly. How did you finance the business? Through sales, it was bootstrapped. Bootstrapped. Entirely. And what's your intention? Do you expect to uh, continue with this business for some time? Is it, are you thinking that you would sell it at some point? Um, are you looking for investors? What's your... 
thought on that? The sky's the limit for what we do and for the business that we've built. We've have a, enough projects on our plate in the coming months and years to have a roadmap for growth. And I don't have any intention at the moment to sell. I think that trying to come up with an exit strategy is a little bit of a fool's errand. I'm going to build a great business and I'll worry about it. Good after for you. That. How big do you think the business can be? Anywhere between, you know, where we are now, maybe $20 million a year to, you know, let's just say 200, 250 billion, maybe, maybe more. Who knows? Uh, I was going to ask if you have competition, but if you didn't already, after, after we have that plenty. answer, you we do have already. Plenty. Yeah, we have we have a number of companies that have just taken our logo, our assets, our site, and new names, and they've gone really? to the races. Oh, yeah. yeah. 18 of them by my by my most recent count. Wow. Have any in particular been successful? Have they? Not that I can tell. Interesting. Uh, so they're, they're probably all heading into their first holiday season. <laughs> they're, yeah, pretty much. There are there were a number that launched, you know, in the in the waning stages of Christmas. But I wish them all luck. Let's grow the market even bigger. Zach Zellner, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you want to learn more about Zach, you can go to I believe it's gopupsocks.com. That's it. And you can also uh, <laughs> buy a, uh, a pair of socks with a picture of your pet there, if you if you would like to. Uh, thanks also to Cliff Oxford for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Cliff, go to OxfordCenter.com. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but we're here live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. My thanks to audio engineer Dion Simpkins and producer Michelle Stucker. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at Al Feldman. Until next time, this has been Mind Your Business on Business Radio powered by the Warden School on Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 